Hey guys, welcome to episode 64 of The Green Life. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking to Brian Calvi, one of the founders and hosts of Finca de Vida, Farm of Life in Costa Rica. I'm so excited to speak to him, but before that, just let me give a big shout out to Namawell for the JT Juicer. You guys know I love my juices. If you are on the market for a new machine and you want a cold press juicer that is really long lasting, beautifully perfect at everything, it looks good, it does good, then you can check out the J2. I have a 10% discount code for you into the show notes. I don't make any money from this, just sharing the code. Also, if you want to visit us here in Portugal, whether for a retreat or just to visit on our farm, we're open for the summer, so just check the link in the show notes as well and get in touch. All right, let's go back to the episode talking to amazing Brian, who with his wife Jody opened Finca de Vida and really transformed it into a healing place for anybody to go to and rejuvenate and feel amazing. I want to know everything about the story, the journey, why, and how we went to set it up, and everything in between, and I'm sure you're curious too. If you are already in the wellness space, most likely you are, you are already you know, familiar with them, but if you're not, this is really a great opportunity to get to know a fantastic space. All right, guys, without further ado, let's talk to our beautiful guest. Hello, Brian. Hi, Brian. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me on The Green Life. I'm so honored to have you here. I love what you have going on in Costa Rica. We're going to talk all about it, about that today. Um, and I'm very, very um, thankful that you said yes to this. So thanks so much for making the time. <laughs> well, I'm very glad that Dusty and Aaron introduced us. That's That's wonderful. Yeah, they're brilliant people. And I actually had them on the podcast as well. So it was really nice to connect. That's great. So I, I I mean for people that don't know about Finca de Vida or Farm of Life, I would love to give them a little bit of background about how this beautiful dream came to basically become reality. Um, but I know there is a backstory because you were an athlete and you were having some issues with your health. And same with your wife. So I love to have a little bit of background story and what really got you out of the US into Costa Rica to just create this amazing Eden that you have. Yeah, well, um, my uh, my wife and I, um, when we we met, uh, and then we went. So we got married, and we went down to Costa Rica for our honeymoon, <laughs> and uh, we fell in love with it. We really did. And um, we had always talked about in our journey of healing. We were in Atlanta when we met, and um, you know, some of our first dates were you know doing wheatgrass shots and eating healthy foods and stuff like that. And then uh, we decided to get married and then we go down to Costa Rica and then we, we see this uh, paradise. And I, I, I always wanted to, when I was very sick, I always thought, well, if I get well again, then I'm going to want to give back. I want to start an affordable healing center, um, you know, where there's clean air and fresh water and, and, um, and you know, it's around uh, the backdrop of a farm where there's fresh food and fruit trees and herbs and People can just go right out of their cabin and pick it. And uh, when we went for we went to Costa Rica for our honeymoon, we we really fell in love with it. And I looked at Joey and I was like, "What do you say? Let's sell everything." And we had good lives. We had really nice lives in Atlanta, you know. Um, and um, just start over again and start a, a healing center. And she looked at me and said, "Go, let's do it. Let's go for it." And we embarked on that journey uh, very early on in our marriage. And um, why well, I you know. When we went down there, we didn't look back. I mean, I mean, it's it's been it's been an incredible journey, and I wouldn't change it for a thing. It's been awesome. Wonderful. So that was how long ago? Uh, that was back in we bought the farm in two thousand and six. Okay, so about fifteen years, right? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Well, actually, a little bit longer than that, but um, amazing. And uh, so just tell me a little bit about your, your, your life in Atlanta. Like you had a good life, but you were not feeling well, right? Like what was the struggle that you guys were having? Yeah, well, for me, for me, um, I guess it started around about 1997, 1998. Um, I had finished. I was a professional tennis player. Um, I, I finished my career and then I fell back on my degree. And so I was a high school teacher. I was teaching psychology, sociology. Um, and about three months into teaching, I couldn't move. Everything just kind of locked up on me. My body just kind of locked up on me. 
And um, of course, what do you do? You go see the doctor, right? Everyone says, well, go see the doctor. And I call that the beginning of my rinse and spin cycle of Western medicine, you know, where, where, you know, when, when we're, we're made to believe that the doctor is always right. Mm-hmm. You know, we're made, we're made to believe that the guy in the white suit, regardless of their health <laughs> is, <laughs> yeah. uh, is, is, is always right. And, um, and so I went to see specialist after specialist. They tested me for Lyme. They tested me for lupus. They tested me for HIV AIDS. Um, and I, I had all these symptoms of what they call chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia. And they, re- they really could never figure out what was wrong with me. Um, and then, of course, some people were like, you know, hey, you know, this is all in your head. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was a successful athlete. And now you're telling me it's all in my head. No, 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 no. You know, I'm not one of those people, you know, that just makes up stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so, so that was a very difficult time for me. And I'll never forget the very last specialist I saw in New York City. He looked at me and I appreciated this though. He looked at me and he said, look, and, and they ran all kinds of tests. And I was a human pincushion for many, many years. Um, he looked at me and he said, look, there's no cure for what you have. You have chronic fatigue syndrome, you have fibromyalgia. I would never do surgery on you. Um, you know, I mean, cause at, at the time I was so desperate. Um, he was thinking about doing, uh, there was a surgery, um, called uh, Arnold Chiari malformation where they open up the, 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 the top two cervical vertebrae. And, um, some people were getting relief from chronic fatigue syndrome. And, um, after all the tests he ran on me, he looked at me and he said, you're crazy. There's no way I would, I would never touch you with surgery. He's like, you're just going to have to accept that you're not ever going to be the same. You're never going to be the athlete you used to be. You're always going to need to be on medication. You're probably going to need to seek counseling for your chronic pain and for your life change. And he said, I'm sorry that this has happened to you, but this is the way it is. And I remember I, at the time I was living in Atlanta and I had a 14 hour drive home from New York City to Atlanta. And I felt, I'm not the type of guy to feel sorry for himself. So I, I, you know, I spent a little bit of time crying, being like, what in the world just happened in my life? I went from top athlete to now sick. But then immediately I said, that was the drive that it changed my life. Because for many years, for about seven years, I searched from without Mm. to find my, my answers. Then in that moment, the light flipped on. I said, I'm going to become my own doctor. And now I'm going to flip it and find the answers from within. Um, and, and that changed my life. I started reading books on, you know, just mind, body, spirit, different books. Um, and I embarked on a journey. I changed my diet, raw vegan, very strict raw vegan diet. Um, I started working on, which was the most important thing, is I started working on all the anger I had towards an alcoholic abusive father that, um, you know, I realized was really the source of my disease and my illness was the, the deep rooted anger that I had towards my father. And then I started learning to quiet my mind down because thoughts create things, right? Mm-hmm. I started to learn to quiet my mind down with meditation and prayer work. Wow. And, and in a year and a half, I had cured my own illness. It was gone. I was a completely different person. Wow. And by this time you had not moved yet. So you really did everything while you were living, basically living the grind, right? Like in the city. Um, Absolutely. That's why I always tell people when I'm in Costa Rica, of course, I created this beautiful bubble now so people could come in and empower themselves. Mm -hmm. But I didn't do it in a bubble. I, I, you know, I I did it with, uh, you know, groceries, you know, organic, you know, I searched around for the best prices and I found, you know, the organic grocery store food and um, I made the best of it in the suburbs of a big city like Atlanta. So I always tell people, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah, and you did it at a time when this was not even mainstream. So being even being raw vegan was very fringe. You know, nobody actually talked about it as much. Like only the hippies were doing that. So, wow, well it, done, kudos to you. You know, it's very funny. I'm here in Naples where I grew up here um, mm-hmm. in Naples, Florida. Um, and my parents, you know, live right down the street from where we're talking. And um, when I grew up here, there was no, I mean, I, I never heard of a vegan restaurant or any, now there's, I can go have a vegan breakfast right now at about two miles up the road. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's crazy. 
<laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, for us, uh, you know, London was obviously vegan, every everything and everywhere, very, very uh, accessible. Here in Portugal, we moved to the north part of Portugal. We kind of did the same thing as you did on a very smaller scale, not in the jungle. Um, and we living on a farm and learning everything about, you know, growing food and doing everything from scratch. Um, and that sort of was, you know, I needed to get out of the city. But it's so funny how we moved here. And although people have access to so much wealth of fruit and so much fruit, like everywhere, it yeah. goes to waste. People yeah. here waste. I'm like, are you nuts? <laughs> what? I'm like, I go picking oranges like from everybody's trees. I don't even care if they arrest me. But I'm just like, do not waste the food. It drives me insane. And we can't find a vegan place, but we can find the fruit. <laughs> Same thing here in Florida, where my parents live, they have grapefruit trees and orange trees all over their complex. No one touches them. No and then one. they probably go to the store and buy, right? Yes, it's great. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what on earth? <laughs> I know. I know. It, oh, it's, yeah. it, even, I tell you what, even in Costa Rica, too. Costa Rica, the main diet is rice and beans, mm. Um, mm. eggs, meat. They, they don't even eat, eat in, you know, with all the abundance they have of fruit and vegetables in Costa Rica, it's not much touched either. Wow, I can't, that's surprising. I mean, I know from the Blue Zones, uh, Daniel Butner did a very good job at, you know, seeing what people eat. Um, and it's mostly, you know, rice and beans come up all the, all the time in all the Blue Zones mostly. But it's, um, yeah, I can't believe that anybody wouldn't really just have an abundance of these beautiful healing human food really because we are mostly frugivores so we should be eating this fruit and not really you know the beans are great but they're still more acidic like we want alkaline it doesn't isn't it crazy that we have been just told these very wrong information and and then when you try and find truth people think you're crazy on top of yep. it <laughs> yeah i mean we all go through that all, all of us um crusaders in this health movement you know people think you're weird i mean my my brother and my sister they they think I'm, you know, nuts, you know, and I, and I just say, hey, look, you know, I mean, everyone has the right to choose for themselves in their life, you know, and, and um, you know, it's interesting because before I got sick, I used to make fun. Of, so I played college tennis at Florida State. I used to make fun of a vegan on my team. I remember and he was my first thought when I was driving home from New York City to Atlanta. I remember thinking he never got sick, but I used to always make fun of him. It, it's funny, the karma, it comes mm. full circle. Because, mm -hmm. because, um, but I do understand though, when people make fun of me about, oh, you eat rabbit food, you know, um, I, I look at them and I say, you know, um, you know, it, life is about experience and you've never experienced when a person's never experienced like chronic illness or not feeling well, um, and doctors can't help them. Pills can't help them. Um, you know, that's a different feeling and a different experience. And then when you choose a different way of living and it cures you, you become very passionate about what, what did it for you. Mm. When someone's never experienced that, I, I get it because it's not means the mainstream is to just, you know, eat whatever and, and live, live, you know, live the way you want to live. Um, and uh, eating healthfully isn't part of that. So I do empathize and I do understand because I was on the other side of that one. Yeah, I'm, I I was too. I wasn't making fun so much of them, but I was definitely like, that's weird. I will never go vegan. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm like, why? Like, why? And I studied nutrition the first time around because I went back to school. I'm like, okay, I learned the wrong things here. Um, and, I, you know, you learn the biochemistry of, you know, you have to have protein because you have to they have the amino acids. Like nobody ever broke down the fact that actually your body has to break down the protein into amino acids because you're not using the whole freaking thing the whole time for everything. It's exactly. like, oh, okay, hold on a second. So um, that, you know, was like, oh, vegans, what? But then I got sick. I wasn't getting sick. I wasn't debilitating sick. I wasn't like not moving or in pain, but my sugar was too high. My cholesterol was too high. I'm like, but I have the perfect diet. I was eating exactly what? the doctor was prescribed who doesn't study nutrition. So um, I, I was just like, what? And then I heard this uh, talk by Dr. Neil Barnard when I was doing my coaching um, no. course. And I was like, you know, I never heard anybody say that fat is the issue with sugar, uh, high sugar in the blood. Let me just try this out. And then magic just kept, kept on happening. And um, 
And then I noticed something else. You said, you know, people, if they're not sick, they don't really understand. Equally, though, people, if they if they don't feel better, if they don't know that they can feel better, they get used to feeling mediocre. And so they live right. a life feeling that way, and they think that's normal. Sure. Right? That's why I think body, that cleanse. Yeah. The body's an amazing organism. It will adapt to whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Not Not optimally. And this is the reason for early aging, mm. right? So the body will adapt. You can eat, you know, what we think is not good food, right? And um, you eat that processed food all the time. And this is the way we, this is the reason why we see, you know, Alzheimer's and ADD and all these chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. It's from, it's from, you know, one, of course, one of the wheels of it is diet. It's improper, improper diet. And the body ages, you know, you only get one car, right? Your body in your life. You can't yeah. trade in the, uh, for a new car, right? You know, your body is your body. That's what you got. And if you don't put things in it correctly, well, it's going to wear down quicker than someone that eats a vegan diet or lots of fruits and vegetables. I mean, I, I've seen that proof positive in my own life and in so many others that have come to the farm. Absolutely. Before we touch on the farm, though, I, you know, you said something about these feelings that were coming through into your body. Um, there was a lot of uh, obviously psychosomatic from trauma from childhood. And I just wonder if because you were an athlete, you were spending so much energy being quite aggressive, if you like, in your sport, being like taking this energy out, if that's probably where you had this anger coming out in the sport. And when you stopped, then it kind of redirected into the into your body. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but I always find it so interesting when sometimes we when we are in stillness, in a way, when we stop yeah. doing something, it manifests in a way that then you can't you you cannot not notice. I was wondering, yeah, how did it work for you? And you know, it, you're right. I mean, I, I never really thought of that, but I mean, you know, that was probably my way of 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 you know expressing that anger is hitting that yellow yellow tennis ball. Um, um, you know, I yeah, I, I absolutely I think you're correct. And then when I stopped playing. Um, and of course I put all my eggs in that basket. You know, I, I was, you know, the dream of being a famous tennis player and, you know, you know, and, and I didn't make it, you know, when I didn't, when I didn't make it, I felt like a failure. Um, you know, I felt like I let everybody down and, um, and then, you know, within a few months after that, you know, my body just dropped out from underneath me. It was probably just from exhaustion. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. There's a lot of emotional stuff. Do you speak to your father now? Oh, yeah. We're good friends. So my father's oh, yeah. are. So it was what's interesting is that when you change, sometimes you spread that light. So when you start to change, my father changed, too. And my father, who's I mean, I just saw him yesterday for Mother's Day, you know, here in the United States was Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. And so I saw my dad and, and my father. I've really worked on forgiveness and, and I have really let. I've let everything go with my dad. I really see it from a very different perspective. Um, and of course, this is what I work with our clients on too, because if you can't get to the emotional core of illness, it's very difficult to fully cure the illness with just few food. Usually illness is, is an emotional thing. And, we, and, it, you know, in, and maybe the, the beginning of the healing starts with eating healthy food. And then that opens you up to go deeper into, into healing, shame, guilt, fear, and anger. I call them the big four. And to finding that love and that forgiveness with it. Um, and for me, I immediately sourced my dad as the major problem. Um, and I was able to work, work with him and find that unconditional love and forgiveness. And when a person finds that in their life, generally the chronic fatigue uh, or generally the chronic illness it goes away. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking about a lot of parallels with my relationships with my parents. Um, I, I spoke about this even with Dr. Northrop. She was on the show. Um, I, I unfortunately don't have a relationship with my mom, but I have been working a lot on, on forgiveness. And I did a, an episode on my own talking about, you know, healing and growth is not linear. And of course, like you go to a place where like you're really angry and you're really upset um, and then you have to make a choice. Am I going to be a victim or not? And, you know, I, I always keep, leave that door open. If you're doing the work, I'm even willing to have to build a relationship, but the way things were, they cannot go ahead like that. And 
I love that you created that and your dad clearly was receptive to that because that's important. You know, he obviously had to do the work he had to do on his own as well. Um, so fantastic. It's been amazing to watch his healing. Yeah. I mean, my wife, I, I, I would tell my wife about, you know, how he used to be when I was younger. My wife doesn't even know the same guy. He's just this big, bald Italian teddy bear full of love. <laughs> Um, he's a recovered alcoholic and now he's a sponsor for other alcoholics to help mm. them through and help them heal their, their disease. And, um, it's, a, it's been a beautiful thing to watch my father's transformation. It's, it's interesting when you, um, you know, when you change and you have this light that you're spreading, it, it, it's almost contagious. Other people want it. And my father wanted it. My father's like, wow, my son, look at my son doing all this healing. Well, maybe I can do the healing too. And my father did it as well. I mean, he's not even the same guy. It's really cool. It's, I mean, he, he lives right, he's right down the street from me right now. And, and, yeah. um, and um, I actually want to, to hang out with him now, whereas before I, I wanted nothing to do with him. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, oh my God, beautiful. All right, let's go back to Costa Rica. So you guys go there for your honeymoon, fall in love, decide, quizzing everything, we're moving here. What's the next steps? That was not, wow, yeah. Creating a healing center in paradise. Um, this is why I have no hair left. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was a lot of stress. I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot to create that vision and that dream. It took a lot of patience, took a lot of time, a lot of dedication. It was a labor of love. Um, but once we got it up and running, um, we were really able to follow our mission and vision, which is creating a, um, an affordable healing center. Um, you know, someone could come for not just a week, but for a month, six weeks and really go deep into the mind, the body and the spirit. And, and, and that's the creation of the farm of life. You know, um, that was, uh, let's see, we bought the farm in 2006. It took us three years because we took it from nothing, nothing at all. It was an old cattle pasture where the jungle was growing back. There was no road to it, no electricity, no water. I remember uh, we took horses, we took horses up, up there. And um, uh, I just, I just felt, I felt this thing, you know, and I looked at Joey and I'm like, this is it. This is where we're going to do it. And she looked at me and she goes, are you crazy? You know how much work this is going to be? And I say, I don't know. If you build it, they will, they will come. We, we, we will do this. We can do this. And, um, you know, one step at a time, we built the road, water, electricity. We started I mean, we built it all from scratch. We planted all the fruit trees, the coconut trees, the herbs. We had our hand in all of it. And um, it was very difficult, very not an easy, not easy those first few years from 2006 to 2009 to get it up and running. Um, but now, I mean, to see everybody coming there and healing, uh, it, it was worth all the hard work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really easy to not think about the hard work that goes into things when you see them already, you know, materialize. Um, when we bought this place, same, like, you know, the land hadn't been worked on for 30 years and uh, they had cows grazing to keep basically to clean it because otherwise it would overgrow. But there wasn't just no, you know, no love for it. And it took us three years as well to start getting some kind of food growing um, lots of trial and error, especially coming from the city. I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Our greenhouse, we, <laughs> Jody and I would plant. We spent all day planting, and the next day, the locusts, like this bug, would come in and eat everything. And I just be like, oh my God. Oh, no. So stressful. Yeah, but yeah, we have moles, and uh, well, we have cats that sadly kill some of them. But, you know, I'm like, okay, cycle of life. We're not getting involved. But we do have some moles that sometimes do eat. Um, ultimately, we actually decided to do beds in the greenhouse because we realized that if we were growing in the ground, nothing would ever grow. Um, our, the weeds here, they're strong. <laughs> so, And I'm yeah. sure in the jungle, same. So, yeah, I can imagine. I can actually picture you guys going there and having to transform everything. Definitely labor of love because if you don't love it, you're yeah. not going to do it. <laughs> was so difficult i mean the greenhouse was our hardest because in the tropics fruit trees pretty easy you you can plant a fruit tree and it pretty much grows yeah. um but but greens and herbs oh man there's so many different insects that eat all the greens and herbs so we had to really learn from from other experts 
from, you know, going online, reading books and just really being humbled to the process because that was, that was, that was tough, really yeah. tough. Did you bring in any permaculturist or anyone? Yeah. We, we did. We, this is where we came up with the idea of our volunteer program because Jody and I were like, we were trying to do it all of ourselves, all, all ourselves the first year, first couple of years. And then I looked at Jody and I was like, we're, we're not, this is too much. There's too many things. And I was like, why don't we start a volunteer program where we offer, where we can bring a greenhouse expert in, you know, and they can show up, they can educate you and I, Jody and I, on, on how to run this greenhouse properly. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and man, I have so much gratitude for our volunteer program over the last 14 years. We've had really great, you know, like I say, you know, experts come in and, um, and really offer their knowledge for us that now we have the knowledge and now our greenhouse, we don't really even need an ex expert, so to say anymore. Now we, now we're the experts. So it was taught to us like you pay it forward, right? Yeah. You teach someone else, then they become an expert and then you teach it to someone else and so on and so forth. Yeah, brilliant. I love that. We are trying to, we will see, we're also thinking about having some help coming through the summer uh, to just educate us a little bit about how to be more efficient. But definitely, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, but the most joyous thing, one is to see people healing, as you said, but also think, see things growing and just looking at nature's pace and resilience. Oh. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing to watch. Um so yeah, that, that alone is healing, really. You know, if we actually attuned to that level of energy, we would be much happier as humans. It really is. I, I always tell people we're, we're not human doings, right? Yes, human, we're all, I gotta go, I gotta do this. So it's, we're human beings. Yeah. So we need to slow down, be patient and wait. And, um, and these are the things that when you live in the jungle, you learn. It takes time, but you learn. Yeah. And how many people can you have on your, on your compound? Uh, you know, if we're doing a retreat and it's, it's pretty full, we're between 14 and 16 people. Nice. Good number. Small, you know, we, we do small retreats. Yeah. And, and then of course, when it's guest season, you know, four five, six, seven people come in and out, in and out. I like a small, intimate experience for people. Yeah, that always works better, actually, even for the people that are coming, because sometimes yes. someone has so much to share and they're intimidated when it's too many people, really. They want a small group. Exactly, exactly. Especially when you're going through deep healing and deep change, you really don't want to be just a number or, you know, someone doesn't even know who you are. That that I never wanted to create something like that. Yeah. So we touched on the food as part of the wheel. And I'd like you to just tell me a little bit about the food that people can have at Farm of Life. And then I'd like you to go through the other parts of the wheel, because I do know that through the healing, you touch on so many beautiful things. So tell me about the food. What is it most like? What, what is the menu like? It's, it's mostly uh, gluten free, vegan. So, so um, someone can come down and, and do a, their own personal retreat sometimes uh, at certain times of the year. Um, and if they can do fasts, um, they can do fasting. I do up to 21 days of water fasting. You can do coconut water fasting. There's so many different things you can do, but it's mostly around the preface of a, um, a vegan diet, gluten-free. Um, some people can eat cooked food um, if you want. Uh, if Now, if you're in a retreat, for example, Dusty and Aaron's retreat, so it's their retreat. So they bring their people to my farm and they pick the diet, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, for their retreats, it's fruits and vegetables throughout the day, like almost raw vegan. And then at night, it's a nice gluten-free vegan cooked meal. Mm -hmm. You know, and so we keep it that way. There's three rules. There's no meat, there's no alcohol, there's no smoking of any kind. And if we're going to work with a psychedelic, which opens up a whole huge other conversation, yeah. But if you're going to work with a psychedelic, it must be done in ceremony with an intention. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that, because I feel like this is what a lot of people are going to be like, Woo! <laughs> do you have a shaman there? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I work with peyote um, and uh, I wouldn't call my, you know, I'm not a shaman, but um, I really received the call to work with the plant. So I do um, I do some, you know, groups and one on one sessions with peyote. Um, which is a cactus, and really it's beautiful. It teaches presence and oneness and the power of now. 
and I have some of the psychedelic plant growing in my greenhouse. Um, we have shamans in our valley that work with ayahuasca. Mm. Um, and um, I, again, ayahuasca is um, a feminine plant versus the cactus, which is the masculine plant. Um, and ayahuasca is, uh, you know, it's much more ritualistic, much more ceremonial. It's very important to do it in ceremony. Mm -hmm. um, and it's and we have shamans in our valley that do that. And we can take people to that or people or the shaman will come to us and we will do ceremonies at our place. Um, uh, if you go to our website and our retreat page, um, we have two retreats called Into the Light. And those are our retreats where where we do a day of peyote um, with me. We do a, um, a cacao ceremony with dance with chocolate, which is fun. Um, and then we also do a night of ayahuasca with our shamans in the valley. And, um, and that's a very powerful experience. Um, ayahuasca is a little more intense um, because it's more about surrender and letting go. And um, it's, uh, it's a very within experience. And, uh, it, you know, it, again, it can be a little scary for people, but very healing on the other end. Yeah. So you've been in that space for quite a long time, and I feel like one of the things that comes to me is obviously having shamans in the valley makes it, you know, it's the opportunity for you to actually get to know the real practitioners because I feel like with this trend of uh, everybody wants to be a shaman, everybody wants to do ayahuasca and, and psychedelics, um, there are lots of frauds. And I think that's very dangerous, but also disrespectful to the plant yep. and to the people. So how did you navigate this rise in this trend, obviously people are just probably asking about doing these uh, sessions and actually having to find the original truthful medicinal man. See, um, uh, for me, when, uh, you, when a lot of people now want to do it, it's all the rage, you know, everybody, you know, they want to come to Costa Rica and they want to do ayahuasca. My center is more the integration place. Mm -hmm. Generally, when you do a psychedelic and you have a deep, deep ceremony, it teaches one of three things. What is my diet like? What are my thoughts like? And what's my connection to my spirit? And we're doing those things with doing yoga on the farm, eating healthy foods, the vegan foods we were just talking about, reading books like Radical Forgiveness by Colin Tipping, which teaches unconditional love and forgiveness. I would much rather do the integrative stuff rather than constantly do the psychedelics. Mm -hmm. um, it, the, the psychedelic is, is not to be done all the time. It's to be done maybe once or twice. You get the lessons and then you work on your lessons. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people, they don't work on their lessons and then they have to do it over and over and over and over again um, because they don't want to do the work. And in life, you got to do the work. You got to change the way you eat. You got to change the way you think. You got to meditate and pray. I always say those three things every day. And that's to be done without the psychedelic. Yes. So you use the psychedelic to get to get the lessons to, to learn. And then you must change what the psychedelic taught you. The, the, the psychedelic may have taught you, hey, you need to do this, this and this. Well, you have to work on those things. A lot of times people don't want to work on those things. Yeah. And as far as shamans. Um, we have, you know, yes, I've heard some horrible stories about, you know, everybody wants to be a shaman now. And, and even myself, like, you know, I, I really try to respect it. I, I don't use peyote to um, make tons of money because it's a big moneymaker now. Um, and I only do it when I feel the call to do it. Um, I'm not a lineage shaman. Um, you know, it's just something that I like to share with guests and they've received a lot of help. Um, but I agree with you. I have seen people being overdosed and, um, uh, especially ayahuasca, you really need to be careful because ayahuasca, man, it can really scramble the brain. If you're not ready that yeah. they'll, they'll be guests that'll come to my farm and they'll get quite angry with me because they'll say they'll immediately arrive standard American diet, never done any meditation, never done even a yoga class. Oh, I want to do ayahuasca. And I say, no, you're not ready. And they say, what? What you you don't have the right, and I, I do have the right. Like you are not ready to do ayahuasca. It, it, it's it would be irresponsible for me for you to do an ayahuasca session, and all of a sudden you become schizophrenic, and and you don't know what the heck just happened to you because you've never done meditation, you've never prepared your body, you've never prepared your mind, and so on the farm we really prepare people 
before they do a ceremony. And if they're not prepared, I will not allow them to do ceremony. And uh, I always tell people, look, you can check out of here. There are many other places in Costa Rica that want your money. They charge, oh God, it's crazy now. They charge four, five, six hundred dollars sometimes for an ayahuasca ceremony. And these shamans are making lots and lots of money. So I really, you know, my farm aligns itself with authentic medicine people, authentic facilitators that care about the guests, the client, and want them to, you know, come away with the with the psychedelic experience with all the positives and all the lessons and not any of the negatives. Yeah. I love that you said that. Thank you. I, I love the kind of ethos and values. Um, thank you. I, you know, I, I think a lot of people will appreciate that. Um, yeah. I certainly do. I feel like looking, making sure that it's not economic and it's actually for healing. Uh, this world, this word has been thrown around so much in the, the most awful way. It's just so disrespectful. And so yeah. when, I, I love that you're really being authentic in it because, yeah, this is all, what it's all about. If you have a calling, if you have a connection, you know, like you have this connection with this plant, this plant yes. is teaching you something, and now you have to share that lesson with other people. And I, you know, I, I completely agree with you. Like the hardest part is not doing even the ceremony. It's actually after. If you're not doing the work, don't waste your time. Exactly. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm very strict. I, you know, I, I guess I'm an intense masculine energy so a little bit sometimes. And sometimes I can I can tell people, look, I, I'm sorry, but you're you're not ready to do ayahuasca. You're not. You're not. You're, I mean, you're not. I mean, it could be very scary for you. And um, and that's not the point. I, I want you to get the lessons. I want you to get a deep healing. But until you've changed your diet a little bit, you're working. You're working on the emotional component. You're doing yoga. You're 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 meditating a little bit on your own. To me, to just go, I've seen it. I've seen um, someone come in standard like McDonald's diet, standard American, and then do an ayahuasca ceremony, and it is not pretty. Mm. It's not, you know, and 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 it's unnecessary to me. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right, <laughs> bring a few buckets here. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Um, in fact, I mean, even even the proper shamans would tell people dieta, dieta, you know, the diet is so important. Correct. Like you have to prepare. Yeah. You can't have McDonald's and come here. It's not going to look pretty. Um, yeah. So a lot of the things you mentioned are very, obviously, you know, there's the resilience of the, the mind and there's connectivity. There's a little bit of the esoteric things. And I think you mentioned very, very lightly in one of the interviews with the Stanzik about chakras. And I am curious about how you really delve into the most, the more esoteric. And aside from doing psychedelic, which obviously opens the door to spirit how did you find that connection coming from a city life where you know we're not exposed when we are in a city to to the cultural to the um to the real essence of nature we we may hear about these more esoteric things because now yoga studios are everywhere but it's not the same as when you're actually living where you are in 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 nature exposed to the element talking to basically all these watchers that are in, in plants and in the stars and, you know, that you are connected to spirit. So how did you transition into this knowledge and how, yeah, and, and then I love to hear about chakras because I think the way you talk about chakras is such a beautiful thing, so. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, it, it's, for me, it was so simple, but it was when I was really desperate in Atlanta. Um, and uh, again, I used to make fun of the esoteric which is, I think is so funny, you know, they're vegans and mystical people and psychics and I saw, you know, what a joke. Um, and, uh, but I was, again, desperation will make you do many things. And so I was desperate, very sick. And I was in a crystal shop. I don't know why I was in there. I, I'm sure spirit brought me in there. I'm in, I'm in a crystal healing shop. And I hear a group of people talking about sun gazing, the practice of Surya yoga, staring at sunrises and sunsets. And I, I, I thought, what is, what are they talking about? So I went over there and I just said, you know, I, I, you know, what, what is it that you guys are talking about? You know, I, I might want to do it. And they were like, well, tomorrow we're going to hike up a mountain and we're going to chant and watch the sunrise. And I thought, I'm going to do it. I kept telling myself, you, everything, Brian, that you think is ridiculous, I want you to do. And I did it with them. And that practice has changed my life. So I, I love 
to, I'm, I, I guess I'm a Surya Yogi, whatever you want to call. I love to stare at the sun. I've been staring at the sun now since 2001. And I love it. And so everything that exists inside you exists outside you. And so, you know, um, Mother Earth, you know, is 75% water. The human body is 75% water. The sun represents the third eye or the inner eye or the pineal gland. So if you stare at the sun enough, you will become your mystical self. You just will. There is no other way around it. If you stare, if you stare at the sun for a number of years, safely, of course, and I teach it safely, um, you, you just will open up the, the window to your esoteric, as you say, esoteric self. And everyone's a shaman. Everyone is a medicine person. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, I opened it up simply, simply staring at the sun and loving it and getting better and better at it and wanting to know more and more and more and meditating more and getting still more and connecting to my spirit more. So the sun has become my guru or my teacher. And it's taught me so much about mind and spirit. Um, and it also, got, when you do it enough, as I was doing it, you start to see auras and voices start to come in, angels. And it's, it's it gets kind of crazy, man. Like, I, I don't know how deep you want to go. And, oh, go ahead. I, I love this. <laughs> you, know, um, I, you know, I thought I was going crazy for a while. But then these, these people, uh, you know, a lot of mysticals and psychics were really, they were able to help me hone my skill of being able to have a conversation, a linear conversation like this you and I are having right now. But then also flip at the same time, being able to see what's out of sight, um, which which was developed by Surya Yoga, staring at the sun. And all of that does is it develops your inner eye. And when the inner eye develops, your life will change. You will become the mystical you. And this is why I teach it. I have these huge stone spirals. If you've seen my farm at all, I have these two big spirals devoted to the practice of sun gazing. And I, I, in all of Dusty and Aaron's retreats and everyone that I come in contact with, I try to teach them to stare at light, to stare at the star, the giver of life on this planet. Um, and, you know, again, it's just a meditation. Some people like it. Some people don't. Some, uh, you know, some people think it's just way too intense. And I get that. Um, but if people do like it and they stick with it, after a few years, I always tell people, you will not be the same. You can't be the same because your pineal gland will be activated and wide open, which is the reason why, which is the reason for doing all these psychedelic ceremonies anyway. But the beauty of sun gazing is that it keeps it open always versus the psychedelic, which opens you just for that short period of time. And then it closes you right back down, which is the reason why people do open them. They do it again. Oh, no, I need it again. I need it again. So I try to teach people, look, you need practices every day that keep you open so that your mystical self is always there, not just there during a six hour ceremony. You know, it, it's, you know, and so, and the practice of sun gazing is what taught me all of that. So I try to teach people as much as I can. So, so for me, when a client comes, when uh, Dusty and Aaron were interviewing me, I was talking to them about chakras because you can see what's, what's blocked and what's open in a person's energy body. And so I teach health and healing a little bit differently. I teach it based on the energy wheels that I see are blocked. And those are colors, color therapy. When you stare at the sun, you're staring at all the colors. And, and so, and, and, and notice what's food. The healthy food is the rainbow colors of life, mm -hmm. right? And so if I, I see, ah, this person's chakra two is a little bit blocked. They need more papayas, you know, or chakra threes block. Uh, they need to eat more bananas, you know. Um, I, I do it in a very different way than than all the science of nutrient, which is fine. I, I have no judgment on that. I understand that too. But um, but if I do it in a little bit more mystical way. I love that. And I, you know, and again, coming from the science part of nutrition. A lot of things you can't explain with science because we are right. spiritual beings, as you said, right? Um, and there is this esoteric 
uh, link even with uh, food and actually fruit being the highest vibration that you can have in nature. So when there is a blockage, yeah, definitely fruit is where you want to go. I, um, it's a message that keeps on coming back, you know, and, um, And it makes sense. I, I love this practice of sun gazing. I haven't done it. But one thing I've noticed that I never wear sunglasses when I'm outside and I actually love it that way. Um, yep. And I see a lot of people are blocking that light with sunglasses. And I can understand why it can bother people's eyes sometimes. But I guess it's right. a muscle that needs to be trained. I'm not sure. Um, correct. Is it correct? You're absolutely yeah. right. Yep. Because, uh, yeah, I always tell people, You know, one of the worst things, the two worst inventions of modern man are rubber-soled shoes and sunglasses. Mm. Because rubber stops the energy from getting from Mother Earth into the reflex points of your feet. Mm. What is food? It's just energy. Yeah. But you can get energy from there direct. The thing about food is it requires energy, digestion, to produce energy. Yeah. Right? The reason why raw food is so amazing is because it requires the least amount of energy, digestion, to produce energy. Yeah. Everything else, it, it requires way more energy to digest. And then you don't have energy to heal anymore or to even deepen your practice with your spirit. So when I've got a sick person on the farm, it is essential for me to connect them to the pranic energies, the energies that require no digestion to produce energy. One, sunlight, right? Two, Mother Earth, walk barefoot on Mother Earth. You're getting the energies, the reflex points of your feet. The Earth pulses at 9.6 hertz. Mm. Three, breathe deep. The Earth, the air has been charged by air, water, Earth, and sun. Four, water. Watch your thoughts because water carries information. You are water, right? Yeah. If you've read any of Masuro Emoto's work, right? You know, where he studies yeah. water. If your thoughts are hate, Well, you'll embody hate. If your thoughts are happiness, joy, and love, your body's water will embody happiness, joy, and love. Um, so it's very important for me to get clients and myself and everyone involved in the pranic energies. Um, so then it gives you so much more energy so that you can develop your esoteric self. Yeah. So how important do you think it is to have a community? Because I find that these practices come much easier when you have um, people around that you either share it with or do it with or that are sharing the same views and ethos with you. And it's so much harder, almost, you know, going against the grain when other people are not even interested or think you're crazy or, and not so much as they think you're crazy, but you don't have that community around. And I think energetically you feel it, even if maybe you cannot really explain it. So do you find your, are you, first of all, are you very like dedicated that even if nobody's on the farm, you still do the practice, but also do you find that having people that come on the retreat just helps with that, you know, uh, continuous kind of um, dedication to it? It's a good question. I, I, you know, in the beginning, I think, yes, you do need like, um, which is the reason why I created, uh, I call the farm of life a bubble, mm. you know, it's a little bubble where you can go in. And you can become empowered on how to live a new way, um, on a new lifestyle, a way of every day you're working mind, body, spirit. And then when you leave the bubble, then the hope is that you've developed, a, you know, a new practices, new routines, new disciplines that it doesn't matter. Like, for example, this morning and people looked at me like I was nuts. This morning I was out there with my crystals. Right. The sun shines everywhere. I'm out there and, and, and this is just a neighborhood. Right. I mean, I, yeah. and I'm, I'm out here. I got an air. I'm, I'm renting an Airbnb. I'm like two miles from my parents' house right now. And I, you know, I watch the sunrise, you know, and, and I try not to, you know, I hide a little bit, you know, so that people don't, you know, aren't freaked out by me. Um, but um, but but for me, uh, these practices are, are important. Um, and I, you know, in once you've developed, you know, once you've seen what they can do in your life, you don't really care what people think about you anymore. Yeah, true. You know, you know, the real you, you know, who you really are, right? You're a being of light. Um, and, and once you realize that, you know, then it, you know, and you've developed your sense of self so strongly, 
it doesn't matter what people think or say about you anymore. Very true. Can I ask you what your favorite crystals are? Because I do love my crystals. I wonder which one you love to use. So I had these, um, this is a company um, out of California called Tree of Life Tech. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And these are really beautiful Marcel Vogel clear quartz crystal. And nice I had them just done. Yeah. So in the middle of these, yeah, it's amazing. Um, in the middle of these are different, are, are columns of different rubies and sapphires and, um, and citrine. So, for example, um, clear quartz can sometimes, it stores and, and transmutes and amplifies energy. Mm. Let's say during my meditation, though, I have, maybe I have an angry thought. Well, the thing about crystals is it'll store that angry thought. You got to be careful. And so these columns have different frequencies in it that keep this crystal clean when I'm sun gazing. Oh, wow. It keeps the column really clear. And so, yeah. And so That's this beautiful. is, yeah, yep. And I hold it in my hands when I'm sun gazing. I'm staring at the sun and it increases the power of the experience. It allows me to manifest and create um, in my life. So I, I use the, the Egyptians use the practice of sun gazing with crystals to manifest. They called it the secret gates to heaven. And the sun was the gate. And, and on the other side of the sun was the soul or the spirit. And that you could speak to your soul much more, much more sharply by staring at the sun. Mm. And I place one image in my mind while I'm working with the crystals, staring at the sun to create and manifest and dream weave my life. And boy, does it work. When you get good at it, you will be able to create and shape your whole life, working with the sun and with crystals. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So that is a beautiful crystal. I love that. I do Thank have you. quartz, but I have never seen something like that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And do you, do you also use other... Um, other crystals that are attuned to different chakras so say amethyst and or rose quartz for the heart absolutely i use a lot of different crystals when i'm working with clients in the spot in, in in my like you know energy healing room when i'm doing light work reiki work whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. um yeah i work with a lot of different um different uh, crystals that correspond to the chakras as well nice uh, last night i got attuned as a master reiki so I, right. I was like, right. thank you. <laughs> so I, I, it's when I had this experience where um, I was going through all the chakras with my, my teacher and um, I had a bit of a blockage in my sacral, but TMI, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting my cycle, but it's funny how this morning it just it started, but I felt that blockage there. But I started my cycle without even having a problem, no, no pain. It just shows you this energy that we have in our body and how it just flows when you open. And even the, the symptoms that we told are normal, like PMS and pain, they really shouldn't be there. Everything should really flow. Correct. Uh, you know, and there's a definite connection. You're talking about like we're talking about diet and fruits and this, that and the other. When you do start to eat clean and you start to eat the vibrations of the seven chakras, most people that I've seen, they do thirst for the spirit then yeah. because you're eating spirit food. And so they start to thirst for, for something more, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it, I always tell people diet's the first part. You start eating healthier foods, you clean the temple out, the temple gets clean. Now you start to thirst for the real you, the spiritual being, Right. And, and, and these are the things that now, you know, you're learning that, you know, there's, you know, things like menstrual pain and things that the things that we think of as common, oh, and they're just normal. That's not true. No. Wow. No, it's amazing. I guess, you know, when we are in a society where unfortunately a lot of people don't believe in God, they don't believe in, you know, in, in a higher force, in our source. So talking to them about frequencies again, is very hard, especially when they are much in the, in the scientific, you know, in a lab, you are so limited, but yet they think that's the truth of everything. And if it's, that, if it's not in a study, <laughs> it's not real. And it's right. really sad because so many people are not getting, you know, healthier. They're not healing at all levels, not just physically, but even just physically. 
because we are they're, they're so limited by by what their doctors tells them or what science says i mean you probably right. are i don't know if you're uh, proactive or active at all on social media but you have a lot of influencers who uh, you know will talk about managing glucose and it's like well the solution is eat fat and protein before the carbs and that's it so it's a lower spike and when they talk about what food can people have it's like ham I'm like, why would you have death? Yeah, <laughs> why? <laughs> to, to live, yeah. you know, it doesn't even make sense. It, it, there's a lot of misinformation out there, that's for sure. Yeah, my goodness. Well, Ryan, uh, Brian, tell me about um, what the vision going forward for Farmer Life is, because I, I heard that you guys are looking to possibly, possibly sell. Um but I'd love to hear a little bit more about it from you and also what, what's the, the, you know, the vision for it. Is it you want to sell it so somebody can continue uh, what you created? What's the thought? I really do. I, you know, the farm is, um, it, it is, it's been difficult for me to want to sell that farm. It, it really, um, uh, but, you know, you know, the one thing I've learned about, you know, again, you know, to, you know, connecting with the spirit and stuff is that, is that you know change is something that that is constant. Everything is yeah. always changing. I always I thought I'd be die, you know be buried on that farm. And um, my wife was born with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. and her left ankle and her right knee w- were completely destroyed by the time she was three years old. Mm-hmm. So diet, mind, spirit work has helped her a great deal. But the farm is a lot of up and down and mountainous. And my wife is still in a bit of pain. Mm. Um, and, and um, you know, and she looked at me and said, you know, Brian, I think it might be better for me. We, we, we actually, we own property on the Caribbean side of, of, the, of the country, Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And it's more flat. Yeah. And my wife experiences less pain. And so I looked at her and I just said, you know, if you want to, if you want to sell this and we'll start something uh, a little bit more small over there, that's fine. But I just want to make sure it goes to the right people. There are people right now that are interested in it. Um, uh, but we have not signed the contract yet. So anybody out there, yeah, that's hearing this and, and that wants a really special place. I mean, it is awesome at the farm. Um, you know, please come on down. I'd love to show it to you. Yeah, I really hope you find the people that can continue your legacy because I think that's important to keep that yes. healing going. Um, I actually spoke to Chris Candle uh, on the on the show a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Chris, loves Chris, he loves it there. Like I did some food there. I love it there. Chris <laughs> is my best friend. He's lovely. He's yep. stuck in Sweden <laughs> because he's trying to get his permit, like his residency, so he can't go anywhere. <laughs> I know great i think he's, he's gonna do a retreat with us this season which is good because like i haven't seen chris he's such a good friend of mine i haven't seen chris in gosh i don't know two, three since pre-covid yeah and so i'm very excited to see him again yeah he's special i love him <laughs> yes he's great very well i feel like in this community we all kind of connecting to each other in one way or another i love that it's like you know you just find your tribe even if it's just online sometimes yes Exactly. You know, we're, we're all, we're a small community, but we're growing and it's all over the world. And now with the, uh, the onset of zoom and the internet being so an effective tool to carry information, um, you know, we're, it's just growing more and more and more. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for making the time. This was very special. I, I appreciate you. I really love what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen all the photos and videos of farm of life, so I know it's a beautiful place and, I will make sure that I urge everybody to come down. It's uh, Thank it must be seen. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was great talking with you. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you so much, Brian. And thank you everyone for staying on for this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you're not familiar with Farm of Life yet, go into the show notes, check it out. And if you want to travel to Costa Rica, well, now you know where to go. I absolutely always love seeing their photos and everything they do. I have a lot of uh, 
uh, friends that go there quite often and every time they share I'm just seeing know how beautiful the place is so yeah fantastic fantastic place all right guys as always if you enjoyed this episode please do share it review it make sure you rate us and just help us grow by telling your friends about us and tagging us on Instagram under my um, handle at Livelin Health. I have put everything in the show notes for you so that you can help us grow and I will see you next week. Bye.